So there's a story about a man who finds himself at the pearly gates of heaven, and St. Peter explains that it's really not that easy to get into heaven. He'd have to answer some questions before he was allowed in. And so he starts asking this man some questions. He says, were you a churchgoer? Were you religious? No. Uh, He said, well, that's too bad. Um, Were you generous? Did you give money to the poor, to charities? And the man says, no, I really didn't. Well, well, that's too bad. Uh, did you do any good deeds? Did you help people? Did you serve people? Were you, you know, were you compassionate? And the man kind of thinks and he says, no, I really didn't. He says, well, that's too bad. And, and kind of exacerbated the St. Peter says, look, man, I'm, I'm trying to help you out here. Uh, did you do anything nice or worthwhile while you were on earth? Um, and, and the man kind of thinks for a minute and he said, well, actually, I just thought of something. Um, One time I was coming out of a store and I saw about a dozen Hells Angels motorcycle guys uh, harassing and pushing and shoving this old lady. And and so I walked up to the biggest, baddest biker and I smacked him in his face. Wow, said St. Peter, that's that's really uh, impressive. When did this happen? And the man said, about 15 minutes ago. Today, we are finishing this summer sermon series that's been titled, Why Our World Needs Jesus. And so we've been talking about the many different reasons that our world, with all of its hurt and pain and turmoil and chaos, why we need Jesus in our lives and and in our hearts. And so, so far in the series, we've said that we need Jesus because all of us are prone to selfishness and self-centeredness. We've said that we need Jesus because he teaches us how to live a moral life and how to make moral choices. Uh, We need Jesus because uh, he teaches us how to bring the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven, like we pray in the Lord's Prayer every week. Um, We need Jesus because he brings us peace in the midst of life storms, and we all go through storms, usually multiple storms. Last Sunday, my friend Greg Jones was here from Belmont and he preached and he said, you know, we need Jesus because we all face battered hopes and shattered dreams. And he talked about the loss of his father 40 years ago and how we all deal with disappointment and heartache and setback. And we need Christ in our lives to get through those difficult times. And today, what I'm gonna talk about in this final sermon is we need Jesus because I believe he brings us healing and renewal. And in the passage that Pharaoh read from 2 Corinthians, it says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. So we're in Luke's gospel, chapter 13, where Jesus heals a woman who Luke tells us has been crippled for 18 years. And this is a controversial healing because it takes place on the Sabbath. And so the leader of the synagogue gets angry and upset with Jesus. And he says, you shouldn't be healing on the Sabbath. It's against the law. And Jesus responds by saying, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from bondage on the Sabbath day? And then Luke tells us that his opponents were put to shame, and everybody rejoiced in what he was doing. You know, in Luke's gospel alone, there are, I believe, about 24 or 25 accounts 
of Jesus healing. And, 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 and Jesus, uh, he does this on a regular basis and it takes up about a fifth of all the gospel narratives when you combine them all together. So Luke himself was a physician. He was a Gentile. Um, so these stories of healing were very important to him. But the bottom line, at least for me, is this. Jesus healed. Jesus healed in the gospels and I believe Jesus continues to heal today. The question is, are we open to it? Do we let that happen? Uh, do we make room for healing to take place in our lives? Um, uh, if we're his followers, if we're his disciples, and I can only say that we too are called to heal, to help other people heal, to heal ourselves, to make sure that we are open to the possibility of, of healing from whatever it is that we've been through, whatever it is that we've suffered through. And, and, and we need this because we're all broken. Um, I need healing. You need healing. We all need healing from different things. And, and, and if we're honest, we can look back over our lives and we can see the times when we've gone through really difficult situations and we've healed and we've come out even stronger than we were before. Well, why do we need healing? Let me put it this way. Life is hard. It hurts. We live in a world where people are cruel and callous and manipulative and mean-spirited. People are self-centered and egotistical and arrogant. They're looking out for themselves. People are two-faced, passive-aggressive, spiteful, unforgiving. We live in a world that is competitive and money-driven. And, and, and if you don't stand up for yourself, sometimes you feel like you'll get run over. We live in a world where the, the nice guy often finishes last. Um, and is taken advantage of, and a little guy doesn't have a voice. We live in a world of, of divorce and, and broken relationships and suicide and depression and addiction and anxiety. That really quickly is an overview of why we all need healing. But you know that. I know that. Um, some of you have heard me tell the story over the years of how I met my wife, and this is a pretty funny story, but we both moved here in August of 2007, 15 years ago, and we were at a, a, a charity event over at Bellmead Plantation, a Phoenix Club event, and, and somebody introduced us uh, on the dance floor, next to the dance floor, and, and so Megan had just moved here, I just moved here, and she said, so what do you do? And I said, I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a minister. She said, oh yeah, where's your church? And uh, I said, I'm the senior minister of Woodmont Christian Church, and I was 27 years old, and she goes, you know, if you're going to lie about your job, you know, why would you pick that? And I looked at her and I said, exactly, why would I pick that? <laughs> not exactly a pickup line, right? So what do you do? She says, I'm a, I'm a physician. You're not old enough to be a doctor. And, and so neither one of us believed each other. And the next day she drove by, saw my name on the sign. I Googled her, saw she uh, was at Johns Hopkins, had a chapter published in the pediatric manual. We didn't believe each other, but both of us consider ourselves to be in the healing business. Megan's an allergist and she sees kids and adults who have allergies. And the thing she loves about that field is you can see instant um, improvement really fast when somebody who's a mess gets on shots or has drops because they, their allergies are so bad. And for me, uh, and I know for the other staff members, we look at the ministry as another form or another way to help people heal. Because life is, is really hard and it beats people up. And, and, and sometimes it's just amazing when you think about what people have to go through in this world. And I think that as followers of Christ, we're called to help each other heal and to be intentional about that and to show each other grace. 
Henry Nouwen is a, a great author and he wrote this amazing book years ago called The Wounded Healer. And in the book, he says this, he says, we live in a society in which loneliness has become one of the most painful human wounds. The growing competition and rivalry which pervade our lives from birth have created in us an acute awareness of our isolation. This awareness has in turn left many with a heightened anxiety and an intense search for the experience of unity and community. Loneliness is a problem in our world and I've come to believe that technology has not only masked it, it's actually made it worse because it gets people thinking that they're connected to other people when really they're not. Uh, some of you remember a, a minister named Dick Ham. He was the head of our denomination. He preached here uh, back in 2000. We preached here last summer, but he also preached here back in 2011. And he gave a sermon that I'll never forget. It was called Black Hole Syndrome. And what he said in that sermon is all of us have this, this black God-sized hole and we throw everything in the sun at it. We throw work, we throw success, we throw money, we throw uh, prestige, we throw alcohol, we throw drugs, we throw shopping at it, but nothing can fill that hole other than God and a relationship with Christ. That's the only thing that can permanently fill that hole because we've tried everything else and we remain restless and we remain dissatisfied. Another thing Henry Nouwen says in a, in a book called In the Name of Jesus, uh, he says, in our world of loneliness and despair, there is an enormous need for men and women who know the heart of God. It's a heart that forgives and cares and reaches out and wants to heal. In that heart, there's no suspicion, no vindictiveness, no resentment and not a tinge of hatred. It's a heart that wants only to give love and receive love in response. It's a heart that suffers immensely because it sees the magnitude of human pain and the great resistance to trusting the heart of God who wants to offer us hope. We all need healing in our lives. But there are lots of things that keep us from healing. In our scripture this morning in Luke 13, what kept uh, this woman from being healed was a system. It was a system that said you can't heal on the Sabbath day. You can't do that. That's not allowed. And Jesus says, no, this woman needs to be healed and, and I'm going to heal her. But, but so many people are, are more concerned about maintaining the Jewish laws and, and, and upholding the system that they didn't acknowledge that this woman had been crippled for 18 years and she needed to be healed. And I think about this a lot as a, as a pastor. This is a busy church. It's got a lot happening, especially in the coming weeks. We've got a, a big staff and ministries and lots of moving parts, but I never want to get so caught up in the stresses of the system that I forget why I was called in the ministry in the first place, and that's to help other people heal and to experience the love of Christ. You know, healing is a very personal thing. It usually happens one-on-one. -on -one. I don't know many people that go to the doctor in groups. Um, you go by yourself. And, and so we need to acknowledge that Jesus was never too busy to stop and help somebody who was in pain and who was in need. So how does healing happen? How did it happen in Jesus's day? How does it happen for us? Uh, here are some of the ways that I think it happens. It happens with time. It happens through prayer. It happens by reading scripture. It happens when you take the time to reflect. It happens with forgiveness. 
It happens with friendships and stillness and exercise and love and peace. Those are some of the ways that healing happens. One of the most effective healing processes that's in our culture, and whether you're familiar with this or not, I've learned a lot more about it as I've gotten older, are the 12-step programs. And there's many different 12-step programs. Um, and we have groups like this that meet at our church. We have AA groups and Al-Anon groups. But, 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 but this is what I've always said, is that AA groups um, and other 12-step groups have been doing the work of the church for many years. And finally, the church said, yes, we give you a place to meet because we believe that what you are doing is you're saving lives. You're, you're helping people who feel like they're on their last string. Do you know the 12 steps? We admitted we were powerless over blank, that our lives had become unmanageable. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to God as we understood him made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings, made a list of all the persons we had harmed and made amends, except for when to do it would make it worse, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, continued to take personal inventory of our lives, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. And then having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in our affairs. Now, you know what's so amazing about the 12 steps is that if you go visit any of those meetings, what you find are people who are being completely honest with each other because they know that they need each other. Now compare that to the way that we sometimes act in the church, like we've got it all together and we don't want to tell you what's wrong and, and, and don't worry, look at, look at us, uh, everything's perfect. When we know it's not perfect, life's not perfect. And so what does it take for the church to become a place where people are more open and honest and vulnerable with each other? And instead of just saying, how are you doing? I'm great, how are you? Say, you know, I'm really struggling right now, um, you know. Uh, my mom has cancer. Uh, my child um, snuck out of the house again, and I don't know what to do to make him behave. Um, vulnerability and honesty are absolutely essential when it comes to healing. I want to say a word this morning before I close about Sabbath, because of this passage in Luke, it talks about Sabbath. And... Um, I think that it's really hard to find healing in life if you don't observe Sabbath. And unfortunately, we've gotten to a place in our culture where Sabbath is just optional. It's another day, another meeting, another tournament, another travel, whatever league. If your kid won't play in it, somebody else's will. And what's happened over time is that we don't observe Sabbath. We don't rest. We don't renew but what did, what did God say? What does the commandment say? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. There's a passage in the Gospel of Mark where we find Jesus and his disciples walking through the fields. And, and the Bible tells us it was the Sabbath day. And some of the disciples were plucking heads of grain, which was forbidden on the Sabbath. And some of the Pharisees, again, were, were calling them out. Why are you doing what's forbidden on the Sabbath? And they want to see how Jesus would respond. And what does he say? He says, the Sabbath was made for humankind, 
not humankind for the Sabbath. In other words, humans were not made to be slaves to the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created to make our lives better. When we slow down and we worship and we spend time with family and we renew, we accept a pace of life that is sustainable in a world where many of us are living a pace of life that is not sustainable. We go and we go and we go and then we burn out and we wonder why we're tired all the time. This is a new day for Christianity. You know, it used to be when I was growing up years ago that really nothing else took place on Sunday, right? Um, Church was what people did and now that's not really the case anymore. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Know when to rest because without rest, we won't experience healing. And not only that, but we'll take on too much and we'll run ourselves into the ground. So what is it this morning that maybe you brought to church with you, whether it's recent or from your past, that you need healing to get through? And the question is, what are you going to do to let go of some of those things, to pray about some of those things, and to find the healing that only God can give? Amen.